Kiss Comics. He was young, but he was ready. Ready to leave his home and everything he'd known to join the fight against the Empire. Armed with his father's lightsaber, he fought for his life, his friends, and the lovely Princess Leia. Luke Skywalker was ready. Luke Skywalker is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You have to go through this entire episode without mentioning Grant Morrison, Robot Chicken, or Family Guy. You do understand I'm going to do all three now. No, you are banned, banned, banned! I had no intention, but you brought it up, so I may, it may just slip out. I hate teenagers. and welcome to another episode of Hey Kids Comics. I'm your host, Andrew Leyland. And I'm Michael Leyland. Are you a co-host or a host? I'm a hostly host. You're a manly host. Yes. Hostly host. Because I got told off the other day by your mum. Did you? Yes. Who's also my wife. So. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> it is a very rare occurrence, it has to be said. I got told off for calling you a co-host. Because that implied that I was the captain and you were my co-host, my plucky co-host. But we've already established that you're my sidekick, haven't we? No, you're my sidekick. Right, well, I'm thoroughly confused now. I'm the Damien to your Dick Grayson. Right. Robin and Batman, yes. Right. Batwing. I see. So so I get to be Bruce Wayne and you get to be my Dick No, Bruce Wayne's like way back that way. Right. Are you Bucky? No. No. That would make me Captain America! No, I'm Captain America now. He was always more interested than Captain Britain. Captain Britain was a big stiff. I was so disappointed in Captain Britain. Were you? Yeah. I think yeah. they should have made him like a football hooligan. <laughs> that would have been funnier. <laughs> he took out all these bad guys with a Glasgow kiss to the nose. We're <laughs> <Yeah>, the hooligans. <laughs> I'd hate to be a binning cowley tonight. Uh, so we're not mentioning Robot Chicken or The Simpsons or Family Guy. Or whatever else I said, Grant Morrison, but we are referencing Bill Hicks now. Crime is terrible here too, Bill. If it's any consolation. <laughs> you don't have crime here. <laughs> oh, we, we seem to have gone off on a tangent only two minutes into the show. That must be a world record. So we've firmly established that despite what your mum says, you are my sidekick. No. And I am your sidekick. I'm only less of a sidekick than you. So basically then, we're the Teen Titans, well, which were a team of sidekicks. I maybe, and you probably won't. Uh, so I can, I can be, like, Kid Flash. Or Starfire. No, you'd be better being Kid Flash, because you're super fast at everything. Oh. You know what I'm saying, girls? I get it. <laughs> so I, I would be... Oh, Cyborg. Six million dollar man was a Cyborg. I'd be Cyborg. Unless I could be Cyborg Superman. Okay. That would be quite cool Maybe as well. At some point... We're going to get to talking about our final look at the Marvel Comics series adaptation of the original Star Wars trilogy, Return of the Jedi. Um, This is going to be a lot shorter than our looks at the comic book versions of Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, as, well, it's a lot shorter. For reasons only known to Marvel, or possibly Lucasfilm, the adaptation of Jedi is only four issues rather than the six issues allotted to the previous films, which is very strange. Very. It also wasn't serialised in the standard Marvel comic series like the previous two. Rather, it was given its own standalone miniseries, which I don't have. 
So I don't know if there are any differences between the books we'll be looking at and the issues that they were serialised in. So, tough, really. I'm not going buying four issues or something I've got twice. Only you kind of buy other stuff twice. What do I buy? I, I loathe buying things twice. I loathe Superman paying full Spider-Man. price for anything. Superman Spider-Man what? Oh, but the Treasury edition of that was such a good deal on eBay, okay. and I can't get rid of your other ones because your mum bought them. Fair enough. So that was that's quite a special present. Anyway, before we get started, here's the magnificence that is John Williams. Did you enjoy that? Yes. That was the John Williams theme from Return of the Jedi. Was it? Yes. Is there a difference? There's a slight difference. Um, Minor difference. Bits at the end are different. Okay. But the space shuttle goes into the destroyed, half-built Death Star. Anyway, Jedi, you have to take a drink. Yeah. I just said anyway. I don't have one. Anyway, no, neither do I today. Uh, Jedi is the red-headed stepchild of the original Star Wars trilogy. Stop. Stop the persecution of the ginger people. I'm not persecuting it's it, not I just right. said ginger. It's not clever. Never said it we was. We don't encourage said... such. We live in an equal opportunities environment where we don't pick on anybody. Except <laughs> no, maybe the French. I, 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 I'm, I treat everyone the same. I pick on everyone whether you're black, black <laughs> Mexican, or ginger. I, I hate everybody. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no discrimination with me. Why did it take the blonde so long to make an ice cube? Why? She forgot the recipe. <laughs> This is all getting cut out. Um, Jedi is the red-headed stepchild of the original Star Wars trilogy. See, so I can I can completely uh, edit that and join that together. You're gonna have to start it again now because you just said that. Red Jedi is the red-headed stepchild of the original Star Wars trilogy, with an awful lot of fans decrying it as the worst of the series. Because it is. Now it's true Jedi isn't as strong a movie as Empire or Star Wars, and it struggles really hard to wrap up all the loose ends. But I have a soft spot for Jedi. No, Phantom Menace is worse. Where if you say so. This is second worst. It must have opened at around the same time as in America, unlike Star Wars, and I think Empire, but as we've established, my memory's not very good. Uh, as I was taken to watch this on June 15th, 1983. After just saying that my memory's not very good, I've just put an exact date to the day I saw this. Yes, what, how do you remember the exact <laughs> Because it was my 11th birthday, and Mum and Grandad Pete 
Okay. Took me to watch Return of the Jedi at the cinema in St. Helens. What's Return of the Jedi? I am not a crook. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> Nixon was Admiral Akbar. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I think the cinema in St. Helens was an ABC, but I get confused in my dotage. I also saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Flash Gordon, though, at the cinema in St. Helens. Gordon's alive. Gordon's alive. What are your memories of the return of the Jedi, young Michael? The rancor. Rancor. The rancor. I thought you said it's rank. <laughs> That's a bit hard. <laughs> Hiding behind the settee because I was scared of the rancor. You were scared of the rancor? Yeah, do you not remember it? I don't know. Whenever I remember you being scared of Dr. Banner turning into the hole. No, I was scared of the rancor and you kind of had to fast forward it. I don't remember Didn't, that. Wasn't that, Mum? Was he scared of the rancor? The, the big, big thing that Luke Skywalker fights in Jabba's palace. How long have you been married to me and you don't know what the rancor is? In the pit. Yeah. In the pit, that's the one. That eats Boba Fett. Yes, no, the Sarlacc eats Boba Fett. I remember being oh, scared of oh, And that's yeah. your main memory of well, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Not the Ewoks. Scared of that, but love Jaws. That's, yeah, that's a bit weird, that, isn't it? He <laughs> was a big fan of Jaws and Jurassic Park, but was scared of the rancor. Especially that bit with a head in the window. Oh, dear me. Uh, for the adaptation of The Return of the Jedi, I again have two copies, despite what we were just talking about, yeah. obviously. Uh, another paperback-sized book, again in full shiny colour, and again, like The Empire One, the pictures are cut and chopped up to fit the pages better. This time it cost a whole £1.25p, Ooh. and there are no other prices on it. Um, it's a bit slapdash, to be honest with you. Um, they've just slapped a UK price on it. Um, it has an advert for American subscription services on the back page, which is no use to British people, I suppose. And it still says in full colour, spelt wrong on the cover. So all they've done is taken the American one and just slap UK stuff on it. Cheating. Yeah, it's it's very cheating. It's, Write it's, a letter of complaint. They've put no effort into this whatsoever of Piccolo Marvel. Quite, Piccolo. Piccolo! Quite astonishing. <laughs> I first saw this in Manchester Airport. Are you interested in this story? Um, it's me getting in trouble with security. Oh. 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 In an airport? In an airport, yes. It would have been hung by the, the nearest yard arm nowadays. Uh, it was in W.H. Smith's in Manchester Airport, and we were waiting to go through to the lounge. Uh, and I put it down when we were called through. And I went through with Mum and Peter and my nan and granddad. I don't know where we were going. And we went through the, um, the checkout. But I was so fascinated by this, because I don't think... And again, my memory's pot... Okay. So this could be wrong. But I don't think I'd seen the film at the time that I saw that. Okay. So it may have been in May of 1983 right. that, uh, that this all occurred. So um, after we'd gone through, I snuck back through customs to carry on looking at this book, which you really wouldn't be allowed to do nowadays. Um um, I finished it and I looked through it and it was all very good and shiny and everything and when I tried to sneak back the security guards caught me and called my mum over the tannoy epic fail so I managed to sneak back through security yeah. so I've gone through to the lounge to board my plane snuck back, planted my bomb and come back and then I got caught coming back Okay. so you failed. I did, I failed um, was it that copy? It was no, it was not this copy. This copy is from the In Book Exchange 
in Blackpool, which was a favourite of mine when I was a kid. Um, it was a second-hand bookshop uh, that sold old books and comics. Um, I got loads of stuff from there. It was a brilliant shop. I wonder if it's still there. Anyway, my nan and granddad used to take me to that bookshop all the time for second-hand comics. So that was a great... I don't know if it's still there. I'd have to phone that number, although I suspect that that number's long since been disconnected. I got loads of Teen Titans comics from there. They had loads of American comics. I mean, Anna Grande just used to take me there and let me run riot for 25 minutes. It's great when they let do that. Let me buy whatever I wanted. Granddad does that with me. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant when he does stuff like that. Epic success! Uh, the cover to the book is a bit stiff, really. Um, it's by Marie Severin and Frank Gaiacoya. Luke brandishing his lightsaber in front of a smoking skiff with Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2 in the background. Um, it's a bit cack. C-3PO doesn't look like C-3PO. R2-D2 looks like a dustbin with legs, which I know is his original design, but even more so. And Chewbacca looks, well, wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not a very impressive cover at all. The cover of Marvel Super Special 7, however, is fantastic. Also from the in-book exchange in Blackpool, because it's got 40p written on the cover in a circle, and that's how she used to label all of her stuff. I still have some comics in my collection that have that on it, because that's where I got them from. If she did that to any comics, I don't Yeah, there is the kind of thing now that if they did that to comics now, you'd take them outside and give them a stern telling off. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't care when I was little. It was American comics. So how cool was that? Um, it is an excellent cover. It's almost abstract by uh, Bill Senkovich. Uh, Luke Skywalker and various Thai and A-Wing fighters, some Imperial Reb Guards, Stormtroopers, Chewie, 3PO, R2-D2. Excellent cover. As usual, the covers will be on the website. That's um, that's brilliant, that one. That may be my favourite of the, the lot. It's a really good cover, that. This time, the adaptation is by writer Archie Goodwin, artist Al Williamson, aided and abetted by Carlos Garzon, Tom Palmer and Ron Friends, although apparently cover artist Bill Sinkovich also helped out on the final issue. The first part is called In the Hands of Jabba the Hutt. Does he have hands? He has those little stumpy things, doesn't T-Rex he? T-Rex hands. Thalidomide boy. Yes, he has T-Rex hands, doesn't he? This time we begin exactly as the film does, with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The first time the comic adaptation has featured the intro. Ooh. How interesting is that? See, that's why I said Indeed. Yeah. It's not the first time it's been in the comics, isn't it, at the top of every comic? Mm. Oh no, it says, yeah, it says a long time ago and it gets far, far away, Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all, doesn't it? I've got yeah. that. Stan Lee presents. Yeah. I've got that, Yeah, it's a reprint of Star Wars Annual number one, I think, or number two. It's not number three, because number three is The Apprentice. In fact... The Apprentice would be a much better TV show if Darth Vader was Alan Sugar, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. And he kills him. <laughs> that would be a much better show. The opening crawl is the same as the film as well. Ooh. Which is another first. Were they not before? No. Huh? The opening crawls were different to the film. An Imperial shuttle hovers over a half-built new Death Star and requests deactivation of the security shield as the passenger grows impatient. True enough, for it is Darth Vader informing the Death Star commander that the Emperor himself is coming up to oversee the construction of the battle station. 
Commander Jared drops a brown sticky one at this news and promises to redouble his efforts. A brown sticky one. A brown sticky one. <laughs> Indubitably. Meanwhile, on Tatooine, C-3PO and R2-D2 head towards the palace of Jabba the Hutt. 3PO exposits that Lando Calrissian never returned from this awful place. He heads towards the door and is greeted by a big eye on a stick. Aye, aye. Aye, aye. The door rumbles open and R2 and 3PO head inside. Upon meeting Jabba, 3PO is horrified that he and R2 are given to Jabba as a gift from a holographic representation of Luke Skywalker, ostensibly in exchange for Han Solo, who Jabba has frozen in carbonite in his chambers. 3PO and R2 are dispatched to work in Jabba's palace. 3PO is Jabba's translator and R2 on the sail barge serving drinks. Later, 3PO is even more upset by the appearance of Chewbacca, tied up and held hostage by a bounty hunter named Boosh. For all we know, this could be how Chewbacca gets his kicks, but maybe that's later. After the celebrations for Chewie's capture, Boosh attempts to rescue Han by thawing him out. After revealing himself to be Princess Leia, Boosh and the newly thawed Han Solo, still blind from carbonite sickness, are captured by Jabba. And he's thrown in a cell with Chewie and Leia. It was very good. Han is thrown in a cell with Chewie, and Leia turned into a slave girl. Presently, Presently, Luke shows up. He tries to bargain with Jabba, but Jabba drops him into a rancor pit. Luke dispatches the rancor, and Jabba, mightily unimpressed, that rancor, (laughs) gathers him, Han, and Chewie, and tells them via 3PO that they are to be thrown into the belly of the mighty Sarlacc. Jabba organises a throw the Jedi in the pit party on his sail barge and they head out beyond the Dune Sea. I have some of those. What, a Dune Sea? <laughs> no. Uh... Oh, throw a Jedi in the pit party. <laughs> yeah, I think Vader did it. Well, Ben Kenobi did it, didn't he? Yeah. He threw a Jedi in the pit in uh, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Luke tells Han that he has everything under control as they head to the Dune. Before our thoughts, here's some music from Jabba's palace.
do better, do do better. Some Valfram is like slaughtering dudes. That music is amazing. Did you enjoy Laptinek, Michael? Laptinek. Laptinek. I don't know the words to Laptinek. In it. What did you think of it? In Star Wars. Yes. Luke says he ain't ever coming back to Tatooine. Oh, bitter irony. <laughs> yeah. Given that five out of six of the Star Wars films would go back to Tatooine. Yes, there's only Empire that doesn't have a scene on Tatooine. Star Wars begins on Tatooine. Return of the Jedi begins on Tatooine. Phantom Menace takes place almost entirely on Tatooine. Attack of the Clones, they go to Tatooine because that's where Anakin meets Baru and Owen and slaughters the Sand People and Revenge of the Sith. They go to Tatooine at the end to drop the kids off. So Luke may not have wanted to go back to Tatooine but we had no choice apparently. (laughs) George was enamoured with the place. The only planet in the galaxy, was it? Tatooine. Tatooine and Hoth and Dagobah. That's it. No, Al Williamson thinks there's more planets than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quality. On page five, panel three, Boba is white. Well, he was white in Empire, wasn't he? I don't think so. Yeah, he did. He wore, like, bits of white on his costume, which I didn't understand at all. But yeah, his, his chest piece is white. Is it white in this version? It's white in the super special. Maybe it's just red brightest It's like, yeah. No. It's the right colour in the paperback book. So it's only wrong in the uh, Marvel Super Special for some strange reason. Um, there are more panels on the page than in Empire, presumably due to the truncated number of issues. The cover splash page is brilliant, though. The cover splash page of the space shuttle hovering over the newly completed Death Star with a Star Destroyer, Super Star Destroyer, hanging around in the background. What's that big sun, though? It's a big sun, though. Is it, sort of, is it the sun of Endor? Because I thought Endor was a moon. The Endor could have a sun. Were they the planet Endor? Yes. Yes, that's very true. Were they on Endor or the moon of Endor? They were on the moon of Endor. Then the forest called, moon of Endor. Why is it called Endor? Well, moons have names. It is entirely possible that there were lots of moons, because Jupiter has 63 moons, and they all have pretty cool names. Um, like, Planet Awesome. I don't think there's any <laughs> called the Planet Awesome. <laughs> But Europa, Ganymede, Callisto, these are these are great names for moons. From Ganymede and Titan, yes sir, I've been around. <laughs> Don't kill yourself now. We're, we're getting to Blackest Night. <laughs> Best be worth yes. The novel by James Carr. That's what I was waiting for. Uh, features a number of scenes not in the film, and again due to restricted page count, not in the comic. Ooh. The first of these is the scene of Luke creating a new lightsaber in Obi-Wan's home on Tatooine. It is in the radio adaptation. Um, it's a nice scene that was recently shown when Lucas announced the release of all six movies on Blu-ray. Um, but it's a bit redundant, and it kind of implies Luke has gone all this time without a lightsaber, which doesn't make any sense to me. Well, as he continued his Jedi training without Jedi, <laughs> as he continued his Jedi clamp, his Jedi clampet training without a lightsaber. But he has. But he's not. But he has. Why? Because he has. At the beginning of Return of the Jedi, he's just making himself a new lightsaber. Maybe so implying that he didn't bother with the lightsaber between the end of Empire and the beginning of Jedi. Maybe he broke it. Well, no, he, he lost did it. He got chopped off. Well, you get your hand chopped off, you're going to be in hospital for a bit. Well, see, I don't buy that. I think he'd have made it. I like that it was cut. Maybe he was laying low. He was laying low? Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't want to 
have any empire, but bump into the empire, so he was laying low. He was hiding on Tatooine, Probably, possibly, yeah. in Ben's house. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Because Verda never thought to look on Tatooine before, did he? <laughs> Fair enough, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. He was hiding on Tatooine all that time in Ben's house. Yep. Fair enough. I wonder if he redecorated the place. Got the old man smell out the carpet, <laughs> that kind of thing. The Jedi novel is much better than the Empire novel. While there's not as many additional scenes, there's a lot more added to the characters in terms of thoughts and motivation to give them more meaning and reasons to do what they're doing. And we will talk about some of that a bit more as we go through the whole thing. We will. We will indeed. Um, It actually seems a bit cramped to me. I mean, I don't know if they originally had planned this to be six issues, but compared to the Empire one, it's not as expansive, is it? I mean, I'm always the one complaining about decompressed comics, aren't I? Yeah, here I am moaning yep. that this one's compressed. Well, it's not It's not so much that as that they've had to edit an awful lot out of this to make it fit four issues. Mm. And in comparison to the other two, where there was tons of bits that weren't in the films, this just ends up being a bit disappointing, really. Unfortunately. Um, on the video release of Return of the Jedi, were Jabba calls him Jedi Scum. They'd spelt scum wrong. On a video? Yes. Okay. On the subtitles. Oh, right. It's Jedi Scum. They'd spelt scum, S-K-U-M. Okay. Which always amused me when I was your age. I don't know why. I just found it amusing that the people who did subtitles couldn't spell. Okay. I've actually seen that quite a few times since. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I watch DVDs with subtitles on, don't I? Yeah. Because I'm one of those stupid people who I does do that. I do it sometimes, do you? Actually, yeah. Adam does it as well, doesn't he? I only do it sometimes. I do it all the time. Mainly so that I can still follow what's going on when your mum talks at me. That's, oh. That's, that's why I do it. Oh, look, the fingers are out. <laughs> Oh, right. The art in part one is brilliant. Um, again, Al Williamson pulls out all the stops. The characters actually look like the actors a bit. Well, mainly. Um, really detailed. The only issue I have is with the colouring, really. Mark Hamill um, had blonde hair in the initial Star Wars, but it had darkened to roughly the same colour as yours by Return of the Jedi, hadn't it? And our listeners know what colour A kind is. of light brown. <laughs> with blonde streaks in it because you were very 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 blonde as a baby and you've gone light brown now take a picture of my head and put it on our website yes we'll put a picture of you as a baby on our website no we'd probably better not do that why baby because that's when you had really blonde hair yeah but why would that show you my hair colour now comparing it to Luke Skywalker imagine Mark Hamill in Return of the Jedi that's your hair colour now Bible listeners don't know that They've seen Return of the Jedi! But they don't know my hair colour. <laughs> They've seen... Re- oh, God damn it. All to hell. Anyway, Mark Hamill's hair has darkened considerably since Return of the Jedi, so having him been blonde here seems a bit off, but it's it's only a minor quibble. Slave Girl Leia. What do you think of Slave Girl Leia, young 15-year-old boy? Mm. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you know, chief fuel schoolboy fantasies. It's being ripped off for an entire time. generation. Spawning an industry. Every convention you go to will have a slave girl layer. There was one at Thought Balloon. Was there? Yes. 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 <laughs> where, where else did we go? We went to Thought Bubble. Bix. And we went to Bix. Yes. Was there one at Bix? Probably. I don't remember there being one at Bix. I remember there being one at Thought Bubble. All the other way around. I forget which way around it was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> And there's slave girl layer jokes in all kinds of things. Fanboys, 
Kristen Bell dresses up as Slave Girl Leia. Best thing about the film. It is the best thing about the film. Veronica Mars dressed as Princess Leia. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. Um, an episode of Friends. Okay. Rachel dresses up as Princess Leia for Ross's birthday. Okay. Although she gets the her wrong. Okay. She has the Danish herdos. Okay. The herdo helmet. The herdo. The helmet herdo. No. The headphone herdo. Right. Got there eventually. Eventually. So and she didn't wear that when she was a slave girl. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Ross doesn't call her out on that. Okay. But he's probably thinking I'm going to get lucky tonight. Okay. Doesn't want to ruin it by seeing your hair's rang. Does he? <laughs> okay. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, Luke's plan is very wow. convoluted. Do you not think it was a plan? No. No. Okay. That's right. Let's all do it. Let's all do this. Hope for the best. (laughs) It's well. It is. There's so many things that have to fall into place for this to work. I mean, what if Jabra just melted three pure R2 down, or or memory wiped him? What if he said, "Take the drives away, memory wipe him"? He'd have been buggered then, wouldn't he? It's the first thing Uncle Owen wanted to do. Yeah. Memory wipe the drives because they belong to us now. Um, What if Han had not been thrown in a cell with Chewie? What if she managed not to throw him out? What if he'd recognised that Boosh was not who she says she was straight away and just killed her? Who was Boosh? Princess Leia. Alright. was Boosh? Someone who loves you. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. What if R2 hadn't been assigned to the sail barge? What if R2 had been left back at Jabba's palace? Cleaning shoes. What good would that lightsaber stuck in his helmet have done then? Was, like, Luke not sat at a distance? Like... Force mind controlling everyone there. I don't think so. He wasn't even in the building when he decided to send R2 to be a drinks man on his sales barge. No, he was off in the In fact, Jabba didn't decide it. A robot did. Okay. Didn't he? Yes. Didn't the robot who puts the restraining bolts on him? Um, and where the hell's the rebellion in all of this? Uh, Would they really have like, lay a risk of life like that? A key person in the rebellion just to rescue one guy? I mean, I can understand letting Luke go and Lando, but I doubt they'd have let Princess Leia go. Did, did she not, like, sneak out through a bedroom window and <laughs> climb down the tree? <laughs> like Joey in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> oh, what would Luke have done if the Rancor had eaten him? What was his brilliant plan then? He couldn't have gotten eaten. Oh, you know, it just seems a, a bit silly to me. All his life, he only cared about one thing, himself. But now, the best hotshot pilot in the galaxy was playing babysitter to an old man, a green kid, two robots, and a princess. Han Solo really had his hands full. Han Solo is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Issue 2 is called The Emperor Commands. Luke warns Jabba that if he doesn't free them, he will die. <laughs> Live free or die hard. Which is a terrible film. Jabba laughs this off and puts Luke on the gangplank of the skiff and prepares to drop him in the Sarlacc pit. However, R2-D2 saves the day again by launching Luke's lightsaber through the air and Luke catches it handily. What if he hit, fell into the Sarlacc pit? Exactly, what if he <laughs> fell into the Sarlacc pit? What if he just goes... <laughs> Luke had gone, oh dear. <laughs> I just spent all that time making that, you stupid droid. <laughs> Rescue yourself, you stuck up. However... The Star Warriors fight Jabba's minions and dispatch them handily, with Leia strangling Jabba with her chain. Again, that may be something that he enjoys normally. Ooh, no, a bit of autoerotic asphyxiation. 
The battle proceeds apace. There is a lot of that in this episode. Han disposes of Boba Fett, who disagrees with something that ate him, and Luke has his bionic hand exposed. R2 saves both Leia and 3PO, whilst Lando almost enters the Sarlacc before Chewie and Han pull him out. As with all good battles, stuff blows up, and the rebels head off, the Falcon to the Rebellion, and Luke back to Dagobah. However, hanging above the forest moon of Endor, the half-built new Death Star bears witness to a visitor, Emperor Palpatine. He tells Darth Vader that Luke Skywalker will soon seek them out, and to stop worrying. On Dagobah, Yoda confirms Luke's suspicions that Vader is in fact his father, and Luke leaves him to confer with the astral Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan gives Luke the certain point of view speech to excuse his big fat lie to Luke constantly since they met. Even now, Obi-Wan tells a few porkies, saying that he took it upon himself to train Anakin when he didn't, but whatever. Obi-Wan tells Luke that Leia is his sister and that he will face Vader again. Issue 2, young Michael. Um, it kind of seems stupid to me. That Boba Fett, the best bounty hunter in the universe, got killed by a blind man. Well, there's a certain <laughs> symmetry to it, but they did an issue of Marvel's comic series not long after Return of the Jedi, where Boba Fett crawls out of the Sarlacc pit. Okay. He manages to escape, because he does say you will be just digested over a thousand years, doesn't he? Implying that they are still alive in there somewhere, yeah. and Boba Fett gets out. Yes. Which is really cool. Unfortunately, at the end that. of the issue, he ends up back in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, but they can't really that. Which is quite disappointing. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice if they'd left him just wandering in the universe with like amnesia or something. Like a, a cosmic green goblin. <laughs> um, also, because you demanded me not to oh, do it, God. I'm doing it. Robot Chicken. Ben sings a song called A Certain Point of View. And it's like, well, I was right. From a certain point of view. Uh-huh. He was right from a certain point of view, by that he means he lies through his teeth. Um, so he was right if you had no idea what was wrong. Yeah. Again, the art's brilliant. Again, it's really compressed. The The amount of dialogue on some of these pages is quite... What's it? That, the last panel of the last issue, sorry, the penultimate panel of the last issue, where Luke's talking to Ben, shouldn't Luke be walking through him there? Yeah. Luke looks so close to Ben. Obi-Wan, that it looks like he should be walking through him, or he's about to kiss him. I don't, I don't know. Could Shake go either way. Shake that lightsaber, Ben. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. The skiff barge Aww. fight scene is truncated quite extensively here, although it still manages to fill six pages. There's an extended scene in the novel of Luke and Han talking about being rescued that was filmed, but cut because a sandstorm made the footage barely visible. Uh, it's a short scene, but it gives Han some motivation for changing heart that's missing from both the film and the comic. The novel also goes into depth into Vader's plans to overthrow the Emperor and have Luke join him. Um, some nice subtle characterization that, although Khan, Khan can't have known it at the time, plays very well into the prequels. There's entire chapters of okay. Vader just thinking how he can turn Luke and how together they can destroy the Emperor. Which none of that's in the film, obviously, but it, it is really quite cool. Just chapters of him thinking. Well, not entire chapters, uh, but bits where Vader's just in the this waiting for the Emperor to do what the Emperor's doing, like having dump or something. <laughs> and it tells you what Vader's thinking about how he could manipulate Luke and, and all so that. Vader was like sat there on the <laughs> sat on his throne. <laughs> I just made the Darth do day. Oh, family guy. Uh, Yoda doesn't die in the comic. 
In the novel, however, Yoda takes full responsibility for having Obi-Wan tell him a pack of lies, which makes more sense yeah. and redeems Obi-Wan as a character slightly. Only slightly. Only slightly. If he was following Yoda's wishes not to tell Luke. In the novel, he actually says, Obi-Wan would have told you, okay. but I didn't let him. Which, just that one line of dialogue mm-hmm. gives Obi-Wan a pass because he's following orders. Mm-hmm. Whereas the films, he's just a lying <laughs> basically. Obi-Wan says here in the adaptation that he only met Anakin in the Clone Wars. He doesn't say that in the film or the novel. Because it doesn't happen. Because it doesn't happen. He knew him well before the Clone Wars. But the novel expands extensively on Obi-Wan's motives and feelings. It kind of ties in with the Revenge of the Sith if we accept that Obi-Wan has always been economical with the truth. Except Luke remembers his mother when working out who his sister is. Which is a bit stupid, because it not only contradicts the films, but it contradicts later in the same book, when he says he has no memory of his mother. So, anyway. Maybe he lied. (laughs) The Jedi are liars, and the Sith tell the truth, is is the motto of this story. Obi-Wan says that he took Luke to live with his brother, Owen, on Tatooine. Not an actual blood relative of Luke's, which again makes a bit more sense than the films in that it explains why Vader never looked for him. Uh, and the mother took Leia to Alderaan. The book never mentions the mum again. Right. So whether the mum lived a long and happy life until they blew Alderaan up yeah. is never mentioned. Okay. So, Although Leia does mention later on, actually, doesn't she, that she, she remembers her mum a bit, yeah. implying that her mum did die when she was very young. Or maybe her mum just took off to be a hermit somewhere. Maybe, and this, I'm just throwing this out there, yeah. maybe her mum took off to Tatooine to continue that illicit love affair that she had with Ben Kenobi from the very beginning. Because let's be honest, Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor, I'm not a girl, but I know which I'd choose. Okay. And it wouldn't be Hayden Christensen. Fair enough. That's just my opinion. But didn't the mum kind of like lose the will to live at childbirth. In Revenge of the Sith, yeah. Oh, okay. But in the novel, right. Leia says that her mum took her to Alderaan. Okay. Which again, kind of ties in Revenge of the Sith. If you Forget take the from... that she died. Yeah, and she, yeah, she's on the operating table yeah. when they're going to Alderaan. But, you know, kind of. Whether this was Lucas's original idea or this was all James... Khan! It's all unknown. Anything else to add? Anyway, a short break now for promotion. Yes, you pay nothing for this, so now you've got to put up with adverts. We have been welcomed into the podcast sphere by the two classy guys at Two True Freaks, have we not? Yes. Yes. They've invited us on their show. Yes. They don't know what they're in for. (laughs) Actually, they probably do. They listen to this drivel. No, we Um, uh, edit the most of it. We do. Two True Freaks cover... Well, everything geeky, really, and they do it very well. The hosts, Chris and Scott, have been very encouraging, giving us shout-outs, and we're happy to return the favour. But that's spelt with a U, guys. Just saying. I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. Yahoo! <laughs> 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 I don't like this. No! Really pissed me off. Oh no! 
Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. I hope you'll give that a listen. They do do the best Star Wars and Star Trek podcasts on the internet. <laughs> and I just said, do, do. <laughs> oh, this is what you get for working with a 15-year-old boy. I want to work with a professional. Somebody who doesn't giggle every time I say the word do, do. Or Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> see? See? That's just absolutely shocking. I'm I working am. with a professional amateur. You are. <laughs> I am working with a professional. Yes, me. No, you're working with an amateur professional. Who's an amateur professional? Oh, me. You're an amateur. Doo-doo. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> see? What a child. <laughs> Chapter 3 is called Mission to Endor. In the nearby system called Sullust, the Rebellion gather. Mon Mothma, the Rebel Alliance Supreme Leader, since when? Uh, Where's Mothma come from? Where's General Dodona gone? Um, Has he been killed? No. Um, Has he killed on Hoth? Because she was a woman, she decided she had to get her views out. Oh, maybe because she's the only other woman in the Rebellion. <laughs> yeah. They've promoted a token gesture. And now, like, when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister, they're going to regret that. <laughs> No, you're doing Family Guy joke. Uh, did I? Was that a Family Guy joke? Yeah, and he said, "Hey, Luke, Mom, Mothma, the only other woman in Star Wars." Well, I see. Done. I didn't know that, so I've done that inadvertently. I didn't know Stormtrooper Gal- uh, Gary, but I still got home and saying, "My dad's disappointed at you." I didn't know you'd rip that off Robot Chicken. I was I very upset. I, I loved Stormtrooper Gary. He was my favourite. I loved the idea that he's the guy who banged his head. I didn't. I liked I the Rose Branson Guildenstern aspect of, I and I just said aspect. <laughs> see, see, fifteen-year-old boy. I didn't know. Mon Mothma, the Rebel Alliance Supreme. That's what the rebellion said. The Rebel Alliance Supreme Leader. Oh, the Jedi. Since just recently, apparently, since a coup where she killed all the other leaders, and Admiral Akbar, who's fantastic. <laughs> I love Admiral Akbar. Does he not look like one of the Green Lantern Corps? Yeah. Admiral Akbar. I'm maybe, sure he maybe does. Maybe like leading the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe after the Return of the Jedi, the Green Lanterns yeah. sought him out and made him a Green Lantern. The Green Lantern of the Star Wars universe. That would be fantastic. Oh. Can you just see where these his power ring versus a lightsaber? How cool would that be? Yeah, I got your Jedi lightsaber right here. Exact trap. That is so, that, that's such a brilliant crossover. Akbar. You meet me here in the hills. Do you have anything to say? Yes. It's <laughs> a trap! <laughs> surrounding me. Oh, dear. Admiral Akabaka informs Akabaka. the fleet that the new Death Star has the Emperor aboard, and a two-pronged attack will be necessary, as the new Death Star has a force shield around it generated on the nearby forest moon of Endor. Lando will lead the fleet into battle, but Han Solo will be in charge of the destroying of the force shield. A newly arrived Luke Skywalker decides to join them. The team, tasked with destroying the Force Shield alongside Solo, Luke, Leia, Chewie, 3PO and R2, head to Endor and make it through, despite Vader sensing... something. Something. They land on Endor and swiftly run into trouble. Luke and Leia are separated in a speeder bike chase and lose contact with each other, and when Luke returns to Han, Leia is nowhere to be seen. They search for her, only to be captured by Ewoks, a race of furry, short, Wookiee-type creatures. Before they can eat our heroes, literally, Leia appears. She was rescued by a furry little creature, and has discovered that the Ewoks don't like the Imperials either. Luke, fed up, uses the Force to make 3PO levitate, and the Ewoks, suspicious, let them go. 3PO convinces them to join up the fight. 
Luke, however, feels compelled to leave and tells Leia about his father and their lineage. The next day, he turns himself into Vader. Anything to say about issue three, well, Mission to Endor? I compared the first splash page to some of Frank Quitley's art on Authority. Don't ask me why, it's not just let's compare it to something. It just kind of reminded me. The well, Rebel Carrier? Of both Brian Hitch's and Frank Quitley's art on Authority. That big Rebel Carrier, though, looks like a mixture of Brian Hitch's and Frank Quitley's art on the Carrier in Authority. Um, maybe they were just hugely influenced by Star Wars, like pretty much everyone who's our age is. Our age? Well, my age. Oh. It's pretty possible. Um, on page four, um, panel three, I think it's sort of out of proportion, really. The space shuttle Tidarium. of the X-Wing nose yeah, to the Falcon. next yeah. to the Falcon. The space shuttle looks bigger than the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. And then on page 14, panel four, Luke... Has a huge cheek. Does he? 
Yes. It's like a squirk. <laughs> I think it's further on than that, actually. Oh, yeah, with a... He has a squirk. Where he has a squirt yeah. jaw. Yeah. Where he kind of looks a bit like Captain America. With his squirt jaw. Yes, and his yeah. blue eyes and his blonde hair. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's just been drawn very, very well, that's all. The splash for Chapter 3 is fantastic. In my humble opinion. In your humble opinion. In my humble opinion, yes. It's um, a lovely detailed drawing of the rebels massing near Sullist. Um, they all look like they're going to crash into each other. I mean, I don't know why they'd gather that close together, given that space is pretty damn big. You're not struggling for a car park in space, Maybe really. Since they're being, since the rebels, they kind of, um, they don't have very good Wi-Fi or internet connection. <laughs> so they need to get close to each other so that the wireless broadband works. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get a signal. Drop us down a bit more. Maybe they're just piggybacking off the Death Star <laughs> and nicking their internet broadband. <laughs> We're crashing into Admiral Ragborn. Is that close enough for you? Page two of chapter three, panel four. The word balloon is really badly positioned, so it's actually over Mon Mothma's head. Which is just a stupid position. Yeah, we see her a couple of times, Mon Mothma, but we never see her again. I can't remember if she's in the Star Wars comic after Return of the Jedi. I think she is. Maybe. The reason why many Bothans died to give them that information. (laughs) Mon Mothma betrayed them. Yeah, and she got found out later on. Uh, the entire scene of Leia meeting Wicket isn't in the comic book isn't at all. Okay. It's completely missing. Isn't that the one where she sits down on the branch? Yeah, and she gives him some food and he goes... <laughs> I don't quite think that's how you speak, to be honest with you. What's up, Buck? It'd be funny if the Ewoks did say that. What's up, Luke? Oh, you know. I never got Ewok hate, to be honest with you. Do you do you like the Ewoks? Or do you not um, care about the Ewoks either way? The cats, I mean, they look pretty damn cute, but they're evil. Yeah, they're really well, see, evil. I think that, yeah. They're not cute little teddy bears in Jedi. I mean, they're going to eat Han Solo. <laughs> they're about to set him on fire and eat him. They are, that's a very good analogy. They are like cats. They look cute and cuddly, but they're actually severe and vicious and know their own mind yeah. and tolerate you because you feed them. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Ewoks are cats. Just like a great bit in Raids of Red Lanterns. Have you read that yet? No. There's a cat on the Red Lanterns. He looks dead adorable and lords in a green lantern and then turns around and kills him. Well, it was not. Not was a dog, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a, gr- he was a great green lantern. Yeah. <laughs> he was a fantastic was green a lantern. Chipmunk. No, he was a dog, I think, because he mentioned having fleas once. No, because I'm sure there was a chipmunk green lantern. There was. Called Chicken. Yes! He got run over, didn't he, by a cat? <laughs> Which was just lamer than lame. <sighs> she was as tough as she was beautiful. Here they come! A gentle princess who could handle a blaster with the best of them. But all she had to do to save the Rebel Alliance was escape from the Death Star. Princess Leah was running out of time. Princess Leah is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Part four. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we will be doing a Green Lantern show next time. Next time on an all-new episode. Hey, kids, comics. It's what I think. Part four is called The Final Duel, with a wonky exclamation mark. The rebel fleet, led by Admiral Akbar, 
leap into hyperspace as they prepare to attack the newly constructed Death Star. Meanwhile, down on Endor, Han Solo and Princess Leia do their bit by embarking on their mission to bring down the shield generator which will allow the Rebellion to attack. Whilst on the Death Star, Luke confronts Palpatine. The Emperor taunts Luke at every opportunity, telling him that this is all part of his grand design and that his friends are falling into a trap. As if on cue, a large energy weapon powers up and destroys a rebel cruiser just as the fleet leaves hyperspace. Akbar orders retreat, but Lando says they need to stay and fight. On Endor, Han and Leia are captured, and it all looks bleak. At his wit's end, Luke raises his lightsaber, and battle is joined. Han manages to turn the tables on Endor, which is actually quite a bad turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah. He turns the tables on the planet. How does that work then, Ted? Uh, and on the Death Star, Vader is no match for the new, like, newly Jedi'd up Luke Skywalker. When Luke refuses to kill him, Vader senses his feelings for his sister, Leia, and threatens to turn her to the dark side instead. Luke snaps and goes fully dark side, pummeling at Vader until he manages to chop off his saber hand. On Endor, Han manages to get the shield generator down and Lando leads the fleet in an attack on the Death Star. Seeing Vader's hand reminds him of his own and he again refuses to kill. The Emperor attacks him with lightning bolts from his fingers and Vader crawls back to his master. But Vader actually picks up the Emperor and hurls him into a yawning chasm at the heart of the Death Star. Noob. In space, Lando takes the fleet down the Death Star Trench and hits the main reactor with concussion missiles. A chain reaction starts that will ultimately destroy this new Death Star. What's the insurance like on that place? On the same Death Star, Vader wishes to look at Luke without the mask. Luke removes it, and Vader dies. Aww. Luke heads towards a shuttle and blasts off just as the Death Star explodes. Back on Endor, the Rebellion celebrate, but Luke's mood is pensive. Nevertheless, he joins his friends for the celebrations. Ewok celebrations! Yup, nub. Which means playing the drums. Come on, yup, nub. When the heads are still in those helmets. <laughs> that's how vicious Ewoks that's, are. Well, how else are you going to get the spikes to hold them up? That's, that's a very, very good point. Here's yup, nub.
Space battles because all the ships are perfectly online. No, look at that panel, though. Yeah, okay. They're still pretty much online. No, they're not. That, there's a Death Star there and a Death Star there. That, you're wrong, and that one's facing that way. Okay. Star so Destroyer, sorry, not Death Star. Look at that then. Yeah, well, they're all approaching the. They're all in attack formation, oh, so they're all online. So they're, all, they're all online. No, the, that panel there, which is four from the end, seven pages from the end, in the middle of the page, puts lie to everything you just said. Well, the first. Page, well, they're though. not there. They're all in the distance, and the Falcon's banking down. They're all still They're alive. not. It's not like Firefly or Battlestar, though. No. You want that panel? It's Death Star's a different ways around. Yeah, but it's like Death Star. That's going it again. Down, Imperial that's Star Destroyers. That's going up. Yes. So they're, they're on different planes. Not really. One's going down, one's going left, and one's going up. But at the same time, you can't do that on the sea, can you? It's oh, not like the Star you? Trek thing where they're approaching on the same plane of existence. And also, at the end, we do not see the ghosts. We don't. We no. don't see the ghosts of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Yoda. I felt quite cheated. Uh, it was a bit cheaty, that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, Wicket stealing the speeder bike is cut down to one panel. And there's an awful piece of exposit- expository dialogue by Han Solo. Um, just wish he'd check with us first. Guess he knows enough to grab the nearest vine and leave the Imperials chasing an empty bike. Which, of course, is what happens in the film. Yeah, but how does Han know he's going to do that? Maybe you can, like, see him. And it's, it's not like we really needed it. Well, as he's kicking know. the stormtrooper's ass, though, he's actually looking at Wicket. Is it Wicket? Yes, it is Wicket in the comic. I don't think it's Wicket in the film. I think it is. Is it? Because he's called Wicket on the toy boxes and in everything else. Well, is it Wicket that steals that speed about though? It may not be. It may be one of the others. I don't remember. doesn't really matter, does it? It's not that important. When Luke confronts the Emperor in the book... Palpatine discusses Yoda with him, the only acknowledgement in the original trilogy of the Yoda-Palpatine relationship in the prequels. Um, Luke's story arc is a lot more deeply explored in the novel. Khan is able to explore Luke's thoughts, and his struggle with the dark side is a lot more involving and convincing. He's got visions of killing the Emperor and taking his place, and even visions of killing Vader and joining the Emperor. Uh, interestingly, Palpatine raises the stakes higher by ordering Endor destroyed should the rebels succeed in stopping the shield generator. Ooh. So he actually has the Death Star in position to blow Endor up. That's it. So even if they destroy the shield generator, he'll kill all the people that are on the planet. That rancor. Which, yes, very good. Which I thought was great. That's a lovely bit of extra jeopardy that's not in the film. The rebel, the Imperials are just a bit dense in the film. Um, there's a mit- mismatch of artists in this chapter, as if Al Williamson didn't have time to finish the book before the deadline date. Um, Ron Friends' work ties in pretty well, and Friends would actually work on Marvel's Star Wars monthly book around this time. But there are a number of pages at the end where the art really takes a turn for the worse. And there are a couple of pages like the page where Han deactivates the shield generator and Leia gets shot and specifically the page where Vader takes his helmet off really don't sync up with the rest of the art I mean Vader looks completely wrong there doesn't he compared to what he looked like on page 2 he looked a lot like 
Carmine Infantino or Howard Chaykin. Howard Chaykin, yeah. Yeah, it does look more Chaykin-esque, which is fine if Chaykin had drawn it, but he didn't. Uh, The book, again, explains one of the big inconsistencies in Jedi. If Vader wanted Luke to kill Palpatine and rule the galaxy with him, why does he stop Luke from killing him? Because Palpatine says, strike me down, and blah, blah, blah. And um, Luke swings at him and Vader stops him, Mm. doesn't he, in the film. Um, In the book... Khan has Vader think to himself that Luke isn't ready for that yet because he's still not fully developed as a Jedi or certainly not as a Sith he needs more tutelage before he's ready to truly embrace the dark side and Vader feels that the Emperor is the one to do that when Luke is ready together they will overthrow the Emperor Uh, in the battle Luke feels the dark side fully and imagines killing both of them and ruling the galaxy himself yeah. So he goes, he runs the gamut of dark side feelings. Well, what if I kill the Emperor and rule it with my dad? But what if I kill my dad and rule it with the Emperor? Ah, screw it, I'll kill them both <laughs> and run the galaxy myself. Leia can be at my side. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. That'd show hard. Smug git with his cocky grin and his hand up Indiana Jones. Um, we don't see Vader's face in the comic after he takes his helmet off. Yeah. Probably because they're, they're running out of space at this point nor do we see his funeral pyre we don't see Luke no, um, no. burn his body as far as we're aware in the book in the comics all right, he just blows up on the Death Star but as far as we're aware in the comic Yoda doesn't die because as you've pointed out we don't see Yoda, Obi-Wan and Anakin as spectral images at the end of the film likewise Leia doesn't tell Han about Luke being her brother so there's loads of little bits not in this yep. So it's it's just not as good a comic as the other two. The truncated nature of the issue means that a lot is left out rather than put in. Um, and the other two adaptations, there's no additional scenes. And what there are are very rushed. The narration boxes are left to explain an awful lot that the art doesn't have room for. And as a whole, it's just very disappointing when compared to the first two. It wasn't a film disappointing. No, I like Return of the Jedi. I know. I've grown to really like it. It's better than Phantom Menace. See, I don't hate Phantom Menace. You're probably the only one. I'm possibly the only one, but I, I don't hate that, Phantom that Menace. That was probably the best thing about Fanboys like, at the end. What if, what if it's no good? And it sucks. No, the best thing about Fanboys was Kristen Bell. Okay, second best thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I don't hate Phantom Menace. I really I don't. don't. It has boring bits, which oh, are unforgivable in a Star Wars film. And the kid playing Anakin is dreadful. But it's got the best lightsaber battle of any of the six films. And the score is brilliant. John Williams brought his air game, even if nobody else did. The art's brilliant when it's Al Williamson, but it gets a bit wonky when the other guys fill in, doesn't it? Yeah. So, what do you think of the comic book adaptations as a whole? Well, the film was disappointing and the comic was worse. Okay. And what about comic adaptations as a general rule? Should be better because a lot of comics I've read are sometimes better than the film. And given that... Except for actually... Comics that films are based on are better than the films, but the films that the comics are based on are usually no. <laughs> the comics that films are based on, yes. are usually better than the films. Yes, but the comic, but the films that the comics are based on mm. are usually better than the comics. I'm thoroughly confused. If yeah. you read a comic, a Spider-Man comic, and then watch the film, yes, the comics can be better. The comics are much better than the but Spider-Man. But if you film. watch the Spider-Man film and then read the Spider-Man film adaptation, Mm. the film's going to be better. Yes. But the films, by very nature, are truncated into two hours. So, like, the first Spider-Man movie is a very good example where they cherry-pick bits from the first ten years of Spider-Man publication and put them in the film. 
if they'd had any brains, they would have made the first Spider-Man series of films as a trilogy and only have Norman Osborn become the Green Goblin in part three. Yeah. That would have been the best way to do that. But Yeah, I suppose, I mean, but in some cases, the adaptation of Logan's run is brilliant. It's really good. In fact, it works better in many ways than the film because it's not as dated. And the George Perez artwork's great. So the, the comic adaptation of Logan's run is fantastic. And that's five issues, I think. So it's one more than this. But I don't think Logan's run is as long as Star Wars anywhere. So there's a bit there. Okay. I'm trying to think of any other comic adaptations that were brilliant. I've never read the Alien one, which right. Walt Simonson did the art for. That's supposedly very good. The adaptation for Star Trek 3 is okay. Star Trek 4 is not. Right. And then the others are just a bit crap. Um, yeah, well, as we said in the last one, video and DVD killed off comic book adaptations, really, to the point where... Even Marvel and DC don't adapt their own films anymore, do they? There was no comic adaptation for Superman Returns. There was no comic adaptation for The there Dark was. Knight. There was comic prequels to Superman Returns. There was also a comic adaptation. No, there wasn't. There was. Bet you money. No, there was. I'll bet you real money. Because I used to have the Superman Returns adaptation and the Batman Begins adaptation. It wasn't the ad- adaptation of the film. Are you sure? Positive. There was an adaptation of Batman Begins. I don't know. There wasn't actually a comic adaptation of Superman Returns. Sure. Positive. What did they make it out of? What do you mean, what did they make it out of? Film. It is prequels, what the characters were up to before Superman Returns, written by the people who did the film. Right. So, that's what's in that. I mean, they did an adaptation of Superman 3 and Superman 4, but I don't think they did an adaptation of Superman Returns. We will consult with the Superman homepage about this. They did not. Because that is the standard repository of all knowledge. Also did, they did a Tron comic adaptation. Yeah, but they've only just done that, haven't they? Yeah, they have, actually. And I presume they're going to do Tron Legacy. Right, we have brought up the Superman homepage. You are absolutely correct. There was an adaptation of Superman Returns. <laughs> you have outgeeked me. And it's appropriate that that should happen on Superman. The father becomes the son, and the son becomes the father. To quote Marlon Brando. I'm very impressed. I take my hat off to you. You've just Thank taken you your first step into a larger world. Well done. I did not know that there was a comic adaptation of Superman Returns. I may have to find that and buy it now. Okay. Because I didn't know it was there, and I have to own it. For the same reason that I had to own the comic adaptation of Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Really? Yes, I've got that. I found it in a 50p bin. You can't knock that. 50p. Anyway, that brings to an end our epic Star Wars trek. See what I did there? Good, yeah. Very clever. Five weeks devoted to the magnificence that is the original Star Wars trilogy. Next time, we're going to do Captain America. Black Snow. No, we're doing a one-off Captain America first. Yeah. We're going to look at the two issues from the Captain America War and Remembrance trade paperback. Captain America for President and Captain America's origin story as depicted by Roger Stern and John Byrne. And then we are doing our epic Blackest Night coverage. Okay, we hope you enjoyed Star Wars. Um, Downloads certainly went up. If something that goes down can also go up. Because what goes up comes down. But what goes down, does that go up? I don't know. So it, it could entirely be that loads of people have discovered us and think we're magnificent, which is what I like to think. <laughs> or it could purely be that everyone likes that little film that George Lucas made 35 years ago. What, Duel? <laughs> he didn't make Duel. That was Spielberg. 
You're thinking of THX 1138. No, I'm thinking of American Graffiti. Or American Graffiti. Yes. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. We celebrate a day of peace, a day of harmony. from this they do it simply for fun and because they have too much spare time the opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and nobody else we can be emailed on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com and our website is www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com you can friend us on Facebook by going to heykids all one name comics all one name